Okay, let's get right to it. To the next part. Nothing beats uh, coffee with almond milk. Yeah, just keeps you going. <laughs> All right. A certain daughter of a streetcar conductor had to learn that lesson the hard way. She longed to be a singer, but her face was her misfortune. She had a large mouth and protruding buck teeth. When she first sang in public in a New Jersey nightclub, she tried to pull down her upper lip to cover her teeth. She tried to act glamorous. The results? She made herself ridiculous. She was headed for failure. However, there was a man in this nightclub who heard the girl sing and thought she had talent. See here, he said bluntly. I've been watching your performance and I know what it is you're trying to hide. You're ashamed of your teeth. The girl was embarrassed, but the man continued. What of it? Is there any particular crime in having buck teeth? Don't try to hide them. Open your mouth and the audience will love you when they see you're not ashamed. Besides, he said shrewdly, those teeth you're trying to hide may make your fortune. Cass Daly took his advice and forgot about her teeth. From that time on, she thought only about her audience. She opened her mouth wide and sang with such gusto and enjoyment that she became a top star in movies and radio. Other comedians tried to copy her. The renowned William James was speaking of people who had never found themselves when he declared that the average person develops only 10% of his or her latent mental abilities. Compared to what we ought to be, he wrote, we are only half awake. We are making use of only a small part of our physical and mental resources. Stating the thing broadly, human individuals thus live far within their limits. They possess powers of various sorts which they habitually fail to use. You and I have such abilities, so let's not waste a second worrying because we are not like other people. You are something new in this world. Never before, since the beginning of time, has there ever been anybody exactly like you. And never again throughout all the ages to come will there be anybody exactly like you again. The science of genetics informs us that you are what you are largely as a result of 24 chromosomes contributed by your father and 24 chromosomes contributed by your mother. These 48 chromosomes comprise everything that determines what you inherit. In each chromosome, there may be, says Amram Scheinfeld, anywhere from scores to hundreds of genes with a single gene in some cases, able to change the whole life of an individual. Truly, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even after your mother and father met and mated, there was only one chance in 300,000 billion that the person who is specifically you would be born. In other words, if you had 300,000 billion brothers and sisters, they might have all been different from you. Is all this guesswork? No, it is a scientific fact. If you would like to read more about it, consult UN Heredity by Amram Scheinfeld. 
I can talk with conviction about the subject of being yourself because I feel deeply about it. I know what I am talking about. I know from bitter and costly experience. To illustrate, when I first came to New York from the cornfields of Missouri, I enrolled in the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I aspired to be an actor. I had what I thought was a brilliant idea, a shortcut to success, an idea so simple, so foolproof, that I couldn't understand why thousands of ambitious people hadn't already discovered it. It was this. I would study how the famous actors of that day, John Drew, Walter Hampton, and Oda Skinner, got their effects. Then I would imitate the best points of each one of them and make myself into a shining, triumphant combination of all of them. How silly! How absurd! I had to waste years of my life imitating other people before it penetrated through my thick Missouri skull that I had to be myself and that I couldn't possibly be anyone else. That distressing experience ought to have taught me a lasting lesson. But it didn't. Not me. I was too dumb. I had to learn it all over again. Several years later, I set out to write what I hoped would be the best book on public speaking for businessmen that had ever been written. I had the same foolish idea about writing this book that I had formerly had about acting. I was going to borrow the ideas of a lot of other writers and put them all in one book. A book that would have everything. So, I got scores of books on public speaking and spent a year incorporating their ideas into my manuscript. But it finally dawned on me once again that I was playing the fool. This hodgepodge of other men's ideas that I had written was so synthetic, so dull, that no businessman would ever plod through it. So I tossed a year's work into the waste basket and started all over again. This time, I said to myself, You've got to be Dale Carnegie, with all his faults and limitations. You can't possibly be anybody else. So I quit trying to be a combination of other men and rolled up my sleeves and did what I should have done in the first place. I wrote a textbook on public speaking out of my own experiences, observations, and convictions as a speaker and a teacher of speaking. I learned for all time, I hope, the lesson that Sir Walter Raleigh learned. I am not talking about the Sir Walter who threw his coat in the mud for the Queen to step on. I am talking about the Sir Walter Raleigh who was professor of English literature at Oxford back in 1904. I can't write a book commensurate with Shakespeare, he said. But I can write a book by me. <laughs>